Welcome to Win the Day Podcast, hosted by Cyrus Jaffrey. Here, we interview top entrepreneurs, industry leaders, business owners, as well as individuals that perform at the highest level in the country. We dive deep into their thought process and the things that they do to separate themselves from the competition. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Win the Day Podcast. Uh, today is a special episode as I have Michelle Jaffrey. Uh, Michelle Jaffrey is an author. Um, she is a co-founder of Jaffrey Insurance. She runs an insurance organization, uh, one of the best in the industry, um, with the help of me, of course. <laughs> just uh, a little. Just a little. <laughs> uh, and then also she is a super mom uh, mm-hmm. and a super wife. So today we're going to run into many different topics as far as parenting and kids um, and uh, a lot of lessons that I have learned uh, in the last seven or eight years that we have been together, and then also um, a lot of lessons that we could maybe help some people out there. So let's get right to it. Yeah, well, th- well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I did not bribe you or make you <laughs> have me on. I'll just say that. Um, I do feel underqualified. I know that the type of people you've had on in the past, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast thus far, and I feel certainly underqualified to be <laughs> interviewed here today because they certainly bring a whole level of um, expertise that I don't, but hopefully I could maybe provide some insight on different topics that I'm well versed in, like parenting and some of those other things. Of course, well, getting there now. <laughs> but, well, you're really good at what you do, so that's why we you. have you here. Um, you're also legally required to say that under the marriage yes. contract. Yes, <laughs> no. that. This is going to be a little bit of a different podcast. <laughs> um, so let's get to it. Okay, so number one, uh, you are an author and you wrote the book, Don't Grow Too Fast, Please. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about? Yeah, so it's my first book, um, first time author. I didn't really set out to be an author. It just kind of fell into my lap. It was um, a night after I had Jonah, our baby, as of right now, um, that I it was in the middle of the night. I mean, you know, you, those early years, you, those early months and days, I should say, you spend a lot of time rocking the baby to sleep and getting them, you know, you're yep. in the room all night. Um, I remember. Yeah. It was in the quiet of one of those nights that I was just holding him and really appreciating those moments. And to be honest, like I suffered from, and this is no secret by any means, um, I recently was asked to do a blog post um, by a baby box company who asked me to share my birth story. And I was pretty honest with them and their readers, I guess, about the postpartum anxiety and depression that I suffered from after him. I mean, it's hard not to be worried. I mean, kids bring that level of worry and it constantly stays with you. And I feel like I was sitting there holding him thinking of a million other things that I should or could be Mm -hmm. doing. And it was in that moment I tried to pull myself out of that anxiety and all those things back into the present moment and be like, cherish this time with your baby. They're going to grow too fast. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about all the things I was doing with him in that moment, you know, reading a book, I was holding his hand, kissing his head and you know, really trying to just be there, be there in all aspects, physically, mentally, and just let myself know that the rest of the world can wait because come morning he'd be another day older. I mean, Mm -hmm. it really goes by too fast. And so all of these words just and actions started pouring out of my heart. And after I left his room that night, I put him down on my phone and down on paper, and it just kind of turned into this poem, which I thought would be great Mm -hmm. for a book. And then pretty soon over quarantine, I thought there's no better time than now to make it happen. So I reached out to a local publishing company and she was able to work with me to 
get it into yeah. publication, and then it was just released in February. And it's awesome. So yeah, it's been exciting, and that's kind of how it came about, I guess. That's so cool. that's awesome. It's a really good book. I obviously am in it, so uh, <laughs> so you like it I even like more. It. So um, no, I read it and with Jonah all the time, every night, and. And I read it with Sophia, so our daughter's four and a half, and our son for the audience who's two. Uh, this is for our son that's two years old, um, is the one that we're talking about that this book really came about uh, when when she was holding Jonah. And uh, they, they love it. They really get into it. And everybody that I've called me so far that I bought the book have had great, great reviews about oh. it. So it's a really, really good book. I appreciate uh, We would that. encourage you to get it uh, <laughs> as well. So, um, okay, so let's go to it. Yeah, I, I just wanted to also, like, I, I just, when we were talking about reading the book, I just mm-hmm. thought it's really cool because a lot of times at night we'll watch Sophia on the monitor and she'll read it back. And it was really important to me, some of the things that I put inside the book as far mm-hmm. as even the verbiage and the words and the phrases um, all had a lot of importance to me. I kind of took a lot of components that I liked of other children's books because I feel like I have a lot of hours of market research, if you will, of children's mm-hmm. books in that industry because... That's what we do. We read thousands yep. of children's books, it seems like, you know, yep. all the time. So I took a lot of pieces that I liked from other books and incorporated them into mine. For example, I love rhyming. I love reading books with rhyme. I feel like it helps the pace of the book go faster. I don't know if you'd agree that you feel like the books that have I, rhyme kind I of... I like reading another one. <laughs> yeah, they, they go quicker. Yep. Um, and then there's a lot of benefits and a lot of educational benefits for children hearing rhyme, learning that rhythm. Um, and I know it's so cool to even now see Sophia. She's starting to learn yeah. to make her own rhymes, and she likes doing that. And her teacher and their literature has kind of reinforced those beliefs and that educational benefit. And then I did a lot of repetition. There's a lot of phrases the like the don't grow too fast, please. That's repeated throughout the book. And that was important to me because, yeah. like, in a lot of other popular and common books like um, Brown Brown Bear, What Do You See? And yeah. I'll Love You Forever. There's those repeating phrases and yeah. verses. And a lot of that, there's a lot of research and science behind that and kids hearing repetition to hear repeating patterns, to hear predictability. Mm-hmm. It helps encourage early reading. And I love like when you're talking about the kids reading it, yeah. I love listening to Sophia on her monitor be able to essentially, you know, quote unquote, read right. this book because she's kind of memorized those patterns and that predictability. Yeah. And eventually it'll help with learning sight words. You know, they read these words, don't grow too fast, please. And then pretty soon, because I'm repeating it, she can point out don't and two and oh, those yeah, sight right, words. Right, right, so that's kind of why I did a lot of the repetition. And then, of course, I did the actions. Um, and that helps kids like associate those body parts. They're hearing it. They're hearing you say, I hold your tiny hand. And then as you're holding their hand, then they put two and two together. They're hearing yeah. it and they're feeling you hold their hand. And then that puts it together like, okay, this is my hand. So for our littlest readers, like Jonah's age and below, that helps them to make that connection and associate those body parts and, you know, by reinforcing that. And, of course, deepens the bond when you're reading with your child and you're having those intimate moments. It's great to be able to have those moments to really connect and have that physical touch and those moments with them. And then the biggest thing that I really wanted to make sure – and our illustrator, Paula Wallace, she's local here. She actually works with, um, in the same studio as Jenna Ahmad's, who works here with you guys, Ahmad's girlfriend. Um, And she's fabulous, and she did a great job on the illustrations. She's down at Hot Shops here in Omaha, so it's really cool. You can see her, her stuff down there. And then I know she also did a big mural 
and um, a big like showcase right now at Lauritsen Gardens. That's really cool that she has down there, but she did great on the illustrations. I wanted to make sure that it, it incorporated a lot of different families from diverse backgrounds. I wanted to make sure it was really inclusive to all sorts of ethnicities, and that was really important to me because I feel like there's a lot of um, races and and just descriptions and types of families that are underrepresented underrepresented in picture books right now. And so that was really important to me too. And she really brought everything, all my ideas and dreams um, into reality here. So yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. It's a great book. Uh, I enjoy it. And I read a lot of books, obviously, because we, I guess, tell me a little bit about this. Why do you think reading has such a big, big effect on kids? Because I, I I mean, my, my parents never read me books when I was younger. So like, I know a lot of parents do, of course, now. So what is the idea behind it, I guess? What do books do to kids? Um, I mean, obviously, I'm no expert here, but I know there's a lot of research that that early reading with kids, it just, you know, it really helps for the exposure of words, those time of connection, connection, those times of bonding. I mean, it's so important. And, like, there's, I saw a, a thing the other day that says there's no app for your lap. I mean, it's so different when you're reading a book on you know, a Kindle or a device or they're having it read to right. you, it's not the same. It's something about that moment with your with your parent or your caregiver, whoever yeah. it is, being read to, being exposed to new words, being exposed to yeah. new ideas, the things you can learn. And I know you're enjoying even now the new types of books we're reading with Sophia about different things, mindsets and how to right. conquer your fears and how to yeah. I mean it just it's just that imagination. Stories yeah. can lead them into this whole new True. world of imagination, new ways of thinking, new yeah. vocabulary they're exposed to. I mean Jonah learns a lot of colors and animals and things from yeah. books. That's where kids learn them, seeing alphabets, things like that. So there's a lot of importance to reading. Um Reading awesome. and play, really, in the early years, zero to five, they say, is like the uh, most important sure. thing you can do, which it seems yeah. you'd think learning, you know, all these other things. But they really say that play yeah. is important and being read to and all these things. So I try to do my best. To so let's go to play. So I know <laughs> our kids are always outside. We like to have them outside. When weather permits. Uh, when weather permits and get mm-hmm. them away from screen time, right? So what's your ideology behind screen time? Uh, and how much, you know, do you let your kids watch on screen time and how long are they outside? Well, I mean, of course, when weather permits, I'd love to be outside as much as possible. It's just okay. I love to see them create and imagine what they can do outside. I kind of um, I just I love being outdoors. But anyways, uh, as far as screen time, you know that I'm a little bit more yeah. strict about screen time than probably you would even like By to far. be. <laughs> um I even with Sophia when she was little, I was pretty strict about not even having the TV on in the background. I just it never is. Still. I know because it's distracting. I mean, okay. even for you, like I joke with you about when you're at the gym, like if there's a TV on, I mean, you'll stop and you'll or check at it dinner out. Dinner sometimes, yeah, you'll check the score on. and you tune out. I mean, it's distracting. How is it um, distracting to the kids? Like, it's the same. It just, I mean, if they're if they're going off to do an independent play, but the TV's on in the background and they catch a glimpse of something or glimpse of something or they hear something. Pretty soon they're distracted from that independent play, which may have took, taken them into 10, 15 minutes of independent mm-hmm. play or whatever they're doing, and it can just be, you know, yeah. a distraction from whatever they're doing, just like any Even when I have golf on is what you're saying, which which we don't as much, <laughs> you know, like once yeah. in a blue moon I'll have it on, but this is in our house. So, so you're saying is even if I have golf on, 
kids just get attracted to just a screen that something is on and people yeah, walking something around. something new and, and it kind of catches their eye yeah. and distracts them from what they're doing or what they could be doing. I, I don't okay. know. Yeah. Makes and it's just, but I kind of try to follow the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines as far as screen time goes. And the pediatricians are really pretty adamant about that okay. and they're Which handing is? out flyers. So for like zero to two, the American Academy of Pediatrics doesn't recommend any screen time, oh, like okay. none. That's zero. Looking at your phone, that's Kindles, tablets, that's TV. So that's none for Jonah. And Jonah's I mean, two then. <laughs> yeah, just two Sunday. <laughs> I know, I know. So I like, I try to adhere by them. I use them as a guideline, but I'm not super yeah. strict. I mean, there's flexibility. Obviously, different days allow for different things. Mm-hmm. If they're sick. For example, and they just want to sit there. Sometimes that's what you got to do. And by no means, I have no problem with parents who do a lot of screen time. You got to do whatever works with your family, with your energy level. Sure. I mean, I know in this pregnancy, there were times in the early trimester where I was tired, I was sick, I and, and you have to have uh, those. You have to have those resources, and it's nice to utilize those resources for times like that. Okay. And, and, and what kind of shows? And what kind of what kind of shows are you? Like, Sophia, watch it. And I know what it is, but I want everybody to kind of hear what kind of shows maybe Sophia is watching and what kind of shows Jonah's watching right now. I mean, uh, granted, as they get older, they kind of gravitate, gravitate towards their own interests. For example, she loves her princesses, princesses Sophia yeah. the First, those kind of things. But if I can during the day, I try to do PBS, learning stuff. I mean, there's a lot of like education. Super Y is one. Yeah, I mean. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse has some good. Like informative because they ask you questions it's interactive and says which one of these four things yeah this person needs if it's raining and they have an umbrella in there and then Sophia's like umbrella so it's right so it's good if you obviously don't uh take advantage of it and watch it for three four hours a day yeah but again I, I don't want to you know shame any parents or make anyone feel bad who Absolutely does a not. lot of screen time because it's hard it's been, yep. it's hard being a parent I would say it's the toughest job out there it's the toughest job I've ever had um I love that you can recognize how hard it is oh, yeah. being a parent and so I mean it's you harder gotta than do my what, job here <laughs> I know and I, I I so love and appreciate that you see that because it's really hard I think there's yeah. a lot of stigma or like ideas about what stay-at-home moms do all day and it's certainly not sitting down and relaxing. It's the farthest thing from it. I would rather go to work. Yeah. I was like, this has been the most relaxing afternoon being (laughs) here at the office and the most that you and I have probably talked in the last four years. And Sophie has been more, no, that's an exaggeration. But I mean, any parent, any couple out there knows that you you don't get quality face-to-face time. I mean, the last time that you and I have sat across from each other like this and just had a chance to talk. Yeah, probably when we were on vacation. uh, Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the night, you're tired. You're you're burned out from a full day at work. You're talked out. I'm talked out. I'm touched out. I'm just like, you know, from being home with the kids. I feel like anyone can relate. When you have kids, a lot of times your relationship can fall to the back burner. A lot of things can fall to the back burner because they're the priority. I mean... It's hard. It's the hardest job out there. So, I mean, back to screen time. And I mean, you do what works for your family and you do what, because I mean, a lot of times there are some Friday nights where we give in and we watch TV early and we watch a movie and sometimes it's a great bonding thing for the family. So I think everything in moderation, everything that works for your family. um, Yeah. I just think it's important to do what works for you and Again, everything in moderation and everything kind of evens out. Some days I'm super strict about it. Some days we do more. And then some days we're outside all day and we don't do any. I mean, yeah. it's all about 
everything in moderation, like anything in life with Makes sense. any indulgences, sort of speak. Okay. I feel like anything's important. I want to talk moderation. about picking up toys. So this is uh, a habit that you have. <laughs> I'm one of those guys, if the kids are going to play, your house is a little bit of a mess. It's fine because that's how it should be when you have kids. Uh, and I just pick up at the end of the night when obviously the kids go to bed, we pick it up. But you're one of those people that before nap time, the kids have to go pick up their toys and make the place look nice. And then obviously um, before they go to bed for sure. So <laughs> what's your idea behind that? Why do you want things very, very clean? This must bother you if you're asking me about <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just curious. No, I guess, I, you know, again, everything that works for your family. For me, it I try to keep a a clean house because it it's nice it just it feels nice a clean house helps me have like a clean mind almost which sounds crazy but I've noticed that that kind of translates in all aspects of my life if my kitchen feels cluttered then I feel cluttered if my workspace that I'm working at my desk feels cluttered then I'm cluttered and um, I just feel like it's easier to work in a clean environment it's easier to you feel fresh you feel you know and it's, it's all about I like I like to feel productive too I think that it's good to kind of clean up and that way you kind of reset at nap time and then when they wake up then start again and do it and I think that also because I've been kind of a little bit neurotic I guess you'd say about picking up and things like that but it has helped kids learn that that's how it should be or some things like that and then they now pick up a little bit and Jonah will say mess and he'll say back and he puts stuff back and Sophia puts stuff back and yeah. It's been great because now they have started they do to do it. They've picked up on it now, and it yeah. works out. And, again, everything in moderation. Some days we do better than others. Some days yeah. we leave it. depends on Yeah, it is clean day. in our house, <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is great. I feel like that has translated, though, because when we first met, yeah. <laughs> well, I won't go into what, like, your <laughs> yeah, house and everything not. looked like. Before yeah. we lived together. Ryan Church's house is what you're saying? Yes. I okay. won't mention the chicken okay. that I found <laughs> under the bed. Okay, let's keep Maybe going. Maybe a week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I just mean, you know, when we first met, obviously we had different ways of living, different ways of yeah. keeping things organized, clutter, whatnot. Yeah. I used to even come into your office and it was cluttered. And I'm like, how can you work like this? Yeah. I feel like your mind would be cluttered. If, if your workspace, you have your notes all over, how can you be yeah. organized? if your surroundings are not. And I feel like it's just one more way to kind of control your atmosphere, your surroundings, keep on track. And I'm impressed now that when I came here, you have a clean office. It only took me eight years. And you've been more productive, right? (laughs) I've been been more productive. (laughs) So can you say that all of your success then is based upon? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, So you are, so it's really clean. So what I'm I'm gathering out of that, when, when, when the house is super clean, you feel accomplished, and that actually declutters your mind. So now your mind's completely fresh, clean, and you can take time to really be a really good mom with your kids and spend time and attention to the kids instead of thinking, oh, that room is unclean. I got to go clean that instead of really spending the quality time with the kids. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I'm trying to do a better job about letting some things go. I even yep. mentioned that in my book, you know, the world can wait. Yep. They'll be another day older. I try to do a little bit better job about being present, letting some things go, but some things we can do together and we do the cleaning together and they don't have a problem with it. And because we kind of clean as we go, it's, um, it never gets to be too much where it's a big chore or they never really complain. And it just translates to, I don't know, it just kind of part of our structured day and and lifestyle. And 
yeah, it seems Fair to work enough. for us and not for everyone, and that's okay. And yeah. again, doing what doing what works. Absolutely. So, uh, what works? So before you didn't. You, I, I remember you didn't take a lot of time for yourself mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to. Uh, I think one of the best one because when I was doing some research on what are maybe ten best qualities in a mom, one of them honestly came up was that they have to take time for themselves, because if you could do that, that's then you're quite the be research. Were you and checking to make sure I was making sure that you're checking all the boxes? Track. Oh my gosh! So so what is so you're taking a little bit more time now, and you didn't used to. So mm-hmm. why have you changed, and what has that done to you? Um, I feel like, you know, if anything, even just working on this book has made me realize like, well, A, being a stay-at-home parent, how good it feels to do something outside of just the monotonous day-to-day life of, you know, our structured day of just staying home. It feels good to have something outside of the kids and outside of just being mom. I mean, it's really hard, I think, for a lot of women. There are a lot of working women who go from working and then all of a right. sudden they're staying home and that's a big right. transition. It's, it's really hard. Um, and so I feel like just from seeing how I felt doing this book and then from realizing how important it is to make time for yourself, I think that we all need to fill up our cups and, you know, yeah. you know, it's, it reminds me of that phrase. And I said that in the blog that I wrote that when you're on the airplane and they're like, you need to put on your oxygen mask before you can help anyone else. I mean, yeah. it's the same thing. You have to help yourself. You have to feel good. You have to be in that good mental space yeah. to be able to be the best you can for anyone else. And so I just have started to realize that and the importance of taking time for myself before I had that guilt. I always had that guilt of I shouldn't, you know, do this during this time with my kids. I shouldn't take time to work out. Like yeah. I used to not even want to work out while the kids were awake because I just felt horrible. I had this strange guilt about, oh, I'm not playing with them. I'm not reading to them. I'm not doing something for a half hour of our day. And I just realized when I did take that time to do a quick workout in the morning and let them run around or play or do whatever they got to do, do it with me. Sometimes they do it with me, which is great too. I just, I feel better and then I'm happier. And then that really translates and, and goes for the rest of us. I feel like really a mom's attitude sets the tone for the kids and and, and for the, the day yeah and for the house I mean there's something to happy wife happy life yep. um and I feel like you know you got to just put yourself first sometimes and yep. not feel bad about it and and you know what they like working out with me and I feel like if anything it sets a good example to show that you got to take care of prioritize your well-being your health your physical mm-hmm. health your mental health um, whether, yeah. and to fill your, you know, mental health bucket, sort of speak, whether that's seeing your yeah. friends, doing a hobby, you know, just making time for things that you enjoy so that you can be your best self so that you can be that best version of you for your kids. Yeah. So I just kind of realized really how much that translates. Cause I feel like I was really sacrificing a lot of myself and my joys and interests and passions and put everything aside especially when we just had Sophia and I just realized how eventually that takes like a negative toll. And I think maybe that's what kind of, kind of built into some of my severe postpartum with Jonah's because I had just completely sacrificed my life, given up any sort of identity. And I feel like I'm slowly starting to regain that and make time and prioritize time for myself. Like I said, health and fitness or, um, finding times with friends for t- making time for faith, going to church and for family. And, yeah. you know, I don't think pe- a lot of people realize that 
I still do some behind the scenes stuff for you even here at yep. the office. Um, I'm yeah, licensed. Know. I have my licenses, my PNC license, I guess. Um, yeah. To well, sell you insurance. Co-founder. Yeah. Well, I don't think a lot of people realize that when you first started, what was that? 2011, 2012, 13. Oh, well, feels like a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 2013 that you got licensed and I was on this track of like, we're going to do this together. Yep. And so I got licensed as well too. Not all of them, just that I didn't go on to do all the licenses that you got. I saw how hard it was after the first one. I'm like, one's good. It wasn't one easy. will get me in the door. But um, and I helped you found out when we first started with State Farm, and that was fun. But it was quickly learned that it's hard to work together with your spouse yep. in this type of professional environment. So if yep. any couples out there who do it and do it successfully, I'd love to hear Props from them. To you. Yeah. And it's really hard. I mean, it's yeah. one thing to prioritize your relationship and your marriage at, at home and find a way to be a good team as parents and as um, caregivers yeah. and whatever you're doing outside of work, but let alone to make that, yeah. you know, flow at work too. It was hard. So I quickly kind of t- took a step back um, from working in the office with you at that point. And I've kind of done some stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. My involvement has kind of varied based upon the number of kids we've had, really. (laughs) So, I mean, it's hard to find time at home. And again, because I prioritize the kids a lot, I only have about nap time or after dinner to really do stuff for you. But I am licensed, so you people may see my face or my name on your website or on mailers and things that we send out because I still do try to stay involved and do a little bit and that helps fill my cup, sort of speak too. Even like being here today, just getting out and doing something yeah. other than, yeah, you know, the day to day. But yeah, it's hard. So. Uh, you want to share any more on postpartum by chance, and maybe some other people that are having a hard time with it? Do you have any? Well, I just advice for them. I well, I'm big into the Meghan Markle interview right now. I think everyone is talking about, about it. Heard about that last it's, night for two hours from you. So okay, tell us more. Yep, just a little, just a little bit. There was there was some tears. <laughs> there were some tears. <laughs> I'm hormonal, but um, no, I just I think that she is so courageous. I think that she's so brave. She talked about for how people that don't know. Yeah, well, I'm getting in there. She oh, okay. she talked about how she suffered from, you know, depression. And I'm not sure if it was directly correlated because she was pregnant when she admitted that um, she started who having... Is she? I'm sorry. Like for some people that don't True, know. True. Because like you didn't know Yeah, anything. I had no idea who she was. Um, so Meghan Markle, she is married to Prince Harry. Okay. They're the royal family in okay. the UK. Um, she admitted that she had depression and suicidal thoughts while she was pregnant with her son. And granted, there's a lot more that went into that. And I obviously don't need to go into all of that. You can search yeah. the article or there's, sure. you can read about it anywhere or watch the Oprah interview. But anyways, I thought she was super courageous because she admitted that she needed help. And she talks about how courageous and how it takes so much courage to admit you needed help. And so I just want to share that I completely agree with that. Um, that's yeah. the hardest part is admitting that you maybe need help. Um, and I think that instead of feeling like that's weakness to admit that you need help, I think that it takes a lot of strength because there are a lot of people that suffer in silence and never admit that they need help, never go see a counselor, never get medication when really it it can make a night or day difference. Um, So I think that it takes a lot of stronger to go get the help. I feel like you are a stronger person because you are realizing that something's wrong. Yeah. And you're, and so I think it takes a lot of strength. So I was really impressed and glad that she's shedding a lot of light on a 
big platform yeah. about, you know, depression in general and um, seeking help and asking for help and knowing when it's time to get help. So I just would yeah. encourage anyone who's going through anything of that nature um, to obviously awesome. reach out and and even just start small. Tell tell your spouse or your, mm-hmm. you know, whoever and go from there. And because I mean, yeah. I told you and you were kind of like. We need to go into the doctor and yeah, I didn't know this. what to do honestly, you know. So right, and there's, so but there's a lot of research on it. Yeah, that people can dig deep into it. So yeah, absolutely. I think it takes a lot of courage to ask for help. So I think I would encourage anyone to just yeah, do call that you. if they're no, <laughs> <laughs> just to reach just out. Get help. Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, okay, let's go to a couple of different things real quick before we uh, finalize this podcast. I want to talk about. Uh, positive reinforcement to kids when they do some stuff. And that spouses, you, I do it to you. And spouses, <laughs> they do it to me. So what's the idea behind that? Like why? Because I know sometimes Sophia does something, like for example, potty, like good job, good potty, or Jonah, right? So what's the reasoning behind that and what have you seen work? Well, again, I'm by no means any expert. I've just found what seems to work for us. And I have read, I've tried to read parenting books or different toddler books, things like that about behavior, psychology books. And um, there's a lot to reinforcing positive behavior versus addressing the negative behavior as much. I mean, we certainly do address negative behavior, but I would say sometimes you almost reinforce that negative behavior. Whereas if you praise the positive, they end up doing more. Like I know I've even used it for you. Like I've you know gone above and beyond to be like, thank you so much for doing the dishes. Like that really, yeah. like instead of just letting it go and then you'll, you know, instead of being like, you never do the dishes or yeah. whatever. It's like when you hear that, when you hear that praise, you kind of, it's in like a body's a psychol like a, you know, a trigger. Yeah. They, they want that more of that positive yeah. reinforcement. So they strive for that. It's the same with kids. If you say Makes good sense. job, putting your shoes away or good job going potty. Well, they want to hear that more and they will do and it more. Yeah. So okay. I think it's just about kind of green. And I think it really can relate to, you know, anything, like I said, I've yeah. silently done it to you until I've shared it, what I've been doing or, yeah. you know, even with your team at work or yeah. reinforcing those positive behaviors, letting people know that they're doing a good job. There's something about hearing those, yeah. those words of affirmation. It's really important. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like one of the five love languages is words of affirmation. And it's, it's important that people hear that they're doing a good job and it makes them want to continue to work harder. So I feel like it's something that I try to do in all aspects of life is just really yeah. appreciate people, praise people when they're doing good and try to limit if I can, some of the negative because I'm always like you didn't put your shoes away or I need you to do this and it's just kind of nagging or you know they don't want to yeah no that's great um I want to talk about real quick a topic about putting phones down and spending quality time with the kids right so when I come home I feel like now I do a pretty good job of putting my phone away between five to seven or eight when I kind of put Jonah down and just so you can have that quality time. Because as a parent, me, for example, I see him in the morning for a little bit and then I'm gone all day and then I come home for two, three hours, I have Jonah. So if you think about it, during the week, I maybe get 10 hours to 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And and I've learned that from you to really spend that 10 hours. 10 hours with kids could be 100 hours potentially based on the quality of that time. Right. Right? So... I know you're a big you're a big piece of that. You always encourage me to do that, and you do it yourself. Of just really sitting there, looking them in the eye, 
playing with him in whatever games that you want to instead of being on your phone and being that present. So what have you seen so far and what has worked for for the kids, I guess? Well, I'm big into... The like the love languages by I think it's a book the love language the five like, we're reading that next really? as an office yeah see I feel like a lot of things um, that are parenting related that are relationship related can really be translated and and go into flow into all other aspects of your life I mean it's all about yeah. people it's all about how you connect to people how you relate to people. Um, and so one of the love languages is quality time. It's one of my biggest ones. That's yeah. how I feel love. That's how I show love. Um, and it really, I feel like is a big one. I mean, for kids, even for me, I mean, I'm with them all day, never get a break, but it's not always quality time. I mean, they're around and I'm doing the dishes and whatnot, but what seems to be the most impactful is like the times when you get home and, yeah. you know, and I have a second to sit down with Sophia and play a game or yep. sit down with Jonah and read, or it's those moments of uninterrupted quality time. And it certainly is not the same when you're looking at a screen, when you yeah. are having a quick look down at your watch or yeah. you're distracted by the TV. It's not the same. It's not the same. Even if you're with your kids all day, but you're, you know, distracted by something else, they can feel that. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's shown in their behavior as well, yeah. too. And I feel like even for spouses, it's important to have that quality time. And yeah. and we try, I you know, we try. It's super hard. I mean, yeah. anyone with kids knows how hard it is to Very find hard. quality time with your spouse. But yeah. I feel like, you know, like you and I, we're together every night, but it's never quality time time, you know, because it's like the kids are there. And so the moments that we make time for each other and really get to chat there, there's so much more. Yeah. It's so (laughs) much more meaningful than the, can you clean up the bibs or uh, can you get the dishes or, you know, it's just transactional. And so I feel like it's just really important to just connect. Sometimes that's more important than how much you time than the quantity of time is that quality. Cause sometimes I almost feel like you get better quality time with the kids than I do. And I'm with them literally right. nonstop because mine's not quality yeah. time. I'm doing stuff at the same time. Yep. So I just feel like it's really important. And like you said, you're reading it as a team because it's important in all aspects. And it's about being present and showing like almost respect. Because can you imagine if you're with a client and you're right. <laughs> looking down at your phone or yep. your, your watch or you're distracted? I mean... Yeah, that wouldn't be good. Right. And so it's the same kind of yeah. respect almost you show your kids and they can feel that. And it really almost like fills their cup, sort That's of speak, huge. too, for like the whole day. Even if you're gone all day, your working parent, which a lot of parents are, um, spending those quality time before they go to bed is important. Even if you get a half hour, even if you just get to read them a bedtime story and it's just you two um, in the room reading, I just feel like those moments of quality time are the ones that make the impact. For sure. That's awesome. Um, last two questions I have, I have left is, um, second to last is letting kids cry. Um, you sometimes let them maybe get their emotions out. So sometimes you're like, hey, just like, it's okay for Jonah to cry. Obviously, if he's hurt, you want to pick him up and console him. But right. you talk about that. So what's, your, what's the idea behind that? Well, um, again, I'm not an expert. You are. (laughs) No, I'm not an expert. It's funny that you asked me. Some of these questions seem random to me, but I guess that's okay. But I don't know. I, I think it's important that kids are able to show their emotion. Again, I try to read and listen to a lot of parenting podcasts and things. It's important that kids are able to express their emotions because otherwise what other outlets, they don't really know any other way to express them at at these ages and to cry. And sometimes it doesn't mean that they're sad or whatever. It's, 
they're overtired or they're, yeah. you know, they're um, starving or there are a lot of different reasons why they're crying. So sometimes they have to be able to get those out. That's the only way they know how. And then sometimes, you know, it goes back to that reinforcing behavior that you want. I mean, sometimes Jonah will just whine and cry because he wants to sit on your lap instead yeah. of eat <laughs> on his chair at dinner. And if you always give into it, he knows then that that crying leads yep. to the behavior that he wants and we don't want to reinforce that. So sometimes there has to be right. almost like sleep training. And again, not everyone um, agrees yeah. with that. I, again, you have to do what works for your family. Some parents, it's super hard. And it's super hard for me. And it's not like we let him cry for more than like 30 seconds. I mean, he's right. not like wailing or anything. But sometimes it's just about setting boundaries and helping yeah. them learn what gets them their way, yeah. I guess. And, and then sure. also being able to express their emotions yeah. and the only outlet, the only way they know how. Um, yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about the knock-knock real quick. So the, so you came up with this idea that, uh, or somebody, you said, you said you read it somewhere or you came up with it. So, so Jonah was having a hard time sleeping because he was sick. I slept in his room and then I was trying to get out of the room and he would wake up. So he would wake up four or five times. And then you said, hey, why don't you just go outside the door and then knock, knock and tell Jonah that you're right outside. And then he's been sleeping every night. I know I you must think knock, it's knock. a miracle. It is a miracle because <laughs> honestly, to get kids to like not wake up throughout the night is literally you win the day. <laughs> That's my win the day. So tell me about that. Where'd you come up with that? Or is that just, would you read it somewhere? How did that yeah, come about? Yeah, I kind of read it. Well, I mean, he was going through... There's a lot of regressions that kids go through at different ages and then yeah. sleep issues. And then um, a lot of things can be, a, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of reasons why kids could be crying in the night. So by all means, don't just let them cry or do, again, do what makes, because I mean, yeah. they could be, he could be getting his molars. He, he could yeah. need Tylenol. I mean, he could have an ear infection. There are a lot of reasons. Anyways, they could be crying. People know that. But um, I knew his was because of separation. I eventually saw a pattern was he didn't want dad to leave. He wanted dad, wanted yeah. to know where he was at. So then we tried a couple different things, tried sleeping with a shirt of, of yours and different things. And I think it's all about communication. Really, he needed to know that you were outside the door, that you'll be there, that you'll come back. And so I was kind of yep. reading up on separation anxiety and different things to do. And it's kind of like when you sleep train, if you do that, doing the pop-ins, the check-ins every so yep. often to just let them know that you're still here. But for him, he's at the age where he's at least old enough to understand a little bit that maybe daddy's out there and he'll stay yep. out there. So we just right. tell him daddy's going to be outside the door. Yep. He'll see you right when you wake up. Right he'll bed. he'll knock and let you know that he's still out yep. there. So you knock a couple times. He and knows he that you're it out too, there. he says too, like right when I put him down after reading He's his like, book, knock, knock. He's like, knock, knock, dad. And he just put his head down and then he's out. Yeah, because he knows that you'll be out there and it just comforting. helps him to yeah sleep comfortably because he knows that you'll come back. And it's just yeah. kind of adjusting with what they need at what age and what they're going through. For him, I knew it was separation and not any other underlying medical issue or yeah. um, any sort of things. They just go through these different regressions and have yep. these awesome separation anxiety and things that flare up yeah. every so often. But I think a lot of people will... So I think one of the biggest reasons we have this podcast out is because I read, a, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of books with our team and myself, and a lot of people don't. They don't like to read podcast or listen to podcasts or read the books. And everything you're saying, it's out there. Yeah, now, everything's research. out there. People can go research this, but but a lot of people maybe don't take the time to do it. So what's better than get all that knowledge just from you? Because 
I feel like it's easier for a mom to say, oh, Michelle, I know Michelle. Oh, that's a cool idea. Maybe they just have never done their research. So when I bring people on, on to my podcast, it's local people that people can relate to yeah. instead of Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, like Jack Sweeney, our other podcast guy yeah, that was absolutely. here. He said some stuff that, 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 that Kevin O'Leary does, but people can relate to Jack more than mm-hmm. Kevin O'Leary. And he's more he's accessible. Here. I can't reach Kevin. <laughs> it's more accessible. I can't go just meet up with Kevin. So it's, easy f- <laughs> it, so it's easier for people. So we're just trying to get back to the community. So some of the stuff you're saying, you don't think it's – very powerful or valuable but to (laughs) some people it is because they've never done that research and they don't even know where to go to which book to pick so i think it'll be have a lot of good knowledge to people i learned from a lot of other amazing moms too i mean there are so many phenomenal parents and i mean everyone really in in everything that you do has a lesson to teach you whether it's things that you make sure you don't want to do with your family whether it's things you want to incorporate i mean i learned from a lot of the amazing women and moms that i'm surrounded by i take things from a lot of them and then there are a lot of great um online presence of you know now there are a lot of instagram parents and yeah i listen to parenting podcasts podcasts. there are a lot of instagram moms or influencers that i look at for different things and activities that they do so i feel like I, you know, like you said, none of it's really <laughs> original, but it's all just a culmination of everyone Absolutely. I've surrounded myself around or, yeah. or looked f- up to or in, been influenced by. And there's yeah. a lot of phenomenal res- resources out there. There's an awesome like Facebook group that I know a lot of local moms and I've even seen like moms and professionals that who, you know, real yep. estate agents, doctors, yep. all these professional women who are all on this mom's page and we all yep. just kind of connect. And I love that. I love that we're able to yeah. help each other. Cause I sure learn from a lot of other moms cause it takes a village. <laughs> Parenting's yeah. hard. And yeah. like I said, I always feel that it's an underrepresented and under, um, appreciated. Yeah. Um, position sort yeah. of speak. Uh, it's the hardest job. Yeah, it is super hard, and, and I'm always appreciative that you realize that because yeah. it is certainly different, um, different aspect. But I have a lot of respect for all parents, so for yeah. working parents, because I can't imagine how you navigate, you know, those oh, yeah. navigate being a parent as well as having all your responsibilities at work. I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah. And again, it's that's hard. where some things are in moderation. If you've had a hard day at work, or you have to come home and you have to finish a project, you have to finish. Uh, you're still in school, continuing education, you're going to need to use yeah. more screen time. I mean, so everything's about your circumstance, your situation. And for every family, it looks a little different. And that's okay, because, you know, we're all a little different. So I just, yeah. I love that. I just, I try to surround myself with a lot of, there are so many amazing women out there who I love to just learn from and grow from. Everyone awesome. has a lesson. Well, that's how we have created this, 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 this uh, insurance agency here is, I mean, None of these things that I've created myself, I've just learned from other people and I've implemented them and we put them as part of our process and everybody has to do them. Right. Like reading one book a month and then the way our process is of reaching out to people and follow-ups and all that stuff that we yeah. do here and as a sales organization, it's all from other people because I didn't just one day wake up and I'm like, I'm going to run this corporation this way. Yeah. It's just you pick and pick and choose and you make a lot of mistakes and then those mistakes are going to turn into things that are going to be able to flourish the way it has for us and the way it has for you. So it's pretty cool. Last question, win the day and a morning routine. So do, is there a morning routine that you have 
If not, that's okay. Well, I'm just laughing because you know I'm like absolutely yeah. not a morning person nope. <laughs> like whatsoever. <laughs> so my morning routine is just struggling to get out of bed. <laughs> so. And what's your win the day? So what are some things that have to happen every day for you to consider it win the day that you won your day? You know, granted, because I stay at home, it looks a lot of a lot different than Correct. having certain product product productivity, yep. you know, goals and things like that. But I think I always try to have some sort of structure that I want throughout the day, something I want to achieve, something I want to check off my to-do list. But um, I've learned to be a little bit more flexible with that. I used to try to be really structured and it all has to be done yeah. or, you know, this was a bad day. I didn't get yeah. everything done. And I think it's about being flexible and giving yourself the grace and yeah. of, you know, you may not get it all done. If you get one thing, awesome. You get to what you get to. Um, so I think it's just being flexible, having something done allowing for changes in a schedule and just really it's about a mindset too I mean you have to go in thinking it's going to be a good day and that kind of sets the tone for for your day so having that starting out with that mindset having a couple things in mind that you want to accomplish getting those done having some sort of schedule and routine you want throughout your day whether it's a certain nap time or whatever you need and getting those done around that same time I feel like all of that adds up to yeah. Um, a good day. And, and also, you know, like we talked about earlier, making time for yourself. It's a good day for me if I make time to get to the gym or I get a workout yeah. in. And I know for you too, it yeah. reflects in how you feel at the end of the night. You Absolutely. make sure to let me know if you didn't get a workout in today right. and it changes how you feel and how you went about your day. Yeah. Um, so I think it's also important. And for me, winning the day is when I make time for myself, when yeah. I make time for sure. those health, fitness, or, you know, personal yeah. growth and personal I thought time. you were going to say when the kids nap for two hours at the yeah, same time. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, too. That's awesome. Well, hey, thanks for being on. It was a fun <laughs> conversation, and hopefully the audience got a lot out of it. So Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Win your mind, and you'll win your day. Look forward to seeing you next time on Win the Day Podcast. Thank you.